Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 283rd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nimhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And I'm joined tonight by the one, the only Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. Evan, brother, man, how you feeling, man? Uh, it's been a while. You got a, a first place five and two Seattle ah. team. H- how are you doing? Mwah. I'm doing so well. Five and two, top of the NFC West. I couldn't be happier. Um, did you see this video that a bunch of like uh, Jason Myers fans sent me from another continent? <laughs> I, I to- it just showed up in my email. You know, I, I, I saw it because Tariq Woolen, uh, Arik Woolen decided to share it as well. I did find that out later after the fact. Um, no, I'm doing well. I'm I'm stoked about... That was a big win against the Browns. Like I, I know it's saying the obvious out loud, but like their trajectory, I think as a team and like how they finished the season, the difference between five and two and four and three, especially considering the next four or five games that they have, you know, two Niner games, a Rams game remaining, like Cowboys rave, like this is a stacked schedule coming up and yeah. you know, an extra leeway game is huge. And um, obviously they made a move at the, the trade deadline, which we can talk about if you want, but I I'm sure oh, you guys did awesome analysis the other day on it. Yeah. But um, this, I, I, I think you put it on Twitter today, Brian, it was like, it was, it was something about this game and we could say this every week, but like this game is a real test to see what this team is. Yeah. Like, if this team can get to six and two beating the Ravens in Baltimore, which is, by the way, there were doubts about the Ravens going into this year, and they've proven to be, um, I think, a very formidable opponent this year. And I'm I'm concerned about some of their matchups with us, but um, we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked. It's uh it's a big week. I'm pissed as fuck that the Niners traded for Chase Young, but I, I'm we'll get coping, into that too. I'm coping with it right now, so <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, we will get into that. See, see, one of the things I was really looking forward to you getting on the show tonight because we haven't talked for a little bit live is, um, I think you're you're in a really unique spot as a Seahawks fan right now because like, there, there's, yeah, I I think so. There's there's a group of fans that are just, you know, 
the all in always excited everything's positive like this is the best thing don't say anything negative pete carroll's the best sure. uh gino smith's the best like this is the best thing ever and there's that group and, and I, I identify with part of that then there's the group that is like uh gino is an absolute you know he's clearly not the guy don't want him here he's holding us back uh you know maybe a little bit more negative. Uh, there's the folks that are excited about the Leonard Williams trade. Other people that feel like it was a really, you know, too much. And, and like analytically it's like all like, there's just kind of these divides of like pro and con. And I see you other than your Jason Myers bullshit. I see you as kind of, walking the middle and you're not you are not i am so stable you are not a moderate dude and consistent and i'm and i walk the line and that's what i'm known for as a fan it's what i've been doing for years this is this is why it's fascinating because it is so not you you are the extremist in the group and and so but i see you i see you like you don't know quite how to feel about gino you don't know quite how to feel about the team. I see you being more positive. Like, I feel like you like the way this team is going. I think you love, yes. Yes. I think you love Devin Witherspoon. Yes. You love some of these things, but I also think that you're a little, you're not quite all in. Oh, I'm is, definitely not. Oh, so I'm what, what, not. what, what, what's holding you back? What, what would change that? I, I think, um, so let me, let me level set by saying, and I think your commentary is spot on, by the way, I'm totally normally the extremist. Um, so this is the, let me level set by saying this is the most excited I've been about a Seahawks team in like six or seven years. Okay. So I'm pretty stoked. I'm relatively optimistic. I've also seen how this, I also saw how this Pete Carroll football team finished last year with the same quarterback at the helm. Yes. They've made improvements across the roster. Yes. They're, um, you know, yes, they had another strong draft. Yes, they made a trade at the draft, you know, at the or a trade at the trade deadline. Yes, they had some free agent acquisitions come in that have totally like um, surprised us. Um, there's a lot to be excited about, but at the same time, um, the NFC still has some really strong contenders. And I'm not convinced that the Niners are fully demised and destroyed. I'm in no anybody, any Seahawks fan, by the way, who is like Seahawks have this division in the back. Just <laughs> disregard my tweets for a second, by the way. <laughs> disregard my tweets is deluded. Okay. Is yeah, absolutely yeah. <laughs> deluded. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I've been burned for a couple of years getting my hopes up, and I'm just a little bit more cautious this time around. There's a lot to be excited about. I'm bought into it, but I also don't think this team is perfect either. Of course not. Uh, but like, what would it take for you to like, what's the next step? What's the next thing that you have to see to feel like, all right, I'm, I'm not on the, I'm not like on the fence or just on the ride. I'm actually leading the charge about this being, <laughs> this being great. Oh, we've got We've got to welcome in Josh Cashman to the show. Super chat. Uh, he'd like to make sure everyone admits that we need Russ back. Um, uh, <laughs> I would like to see uh, Gino groupies don't listen to this. I would like to see Gino Smith make better decisions. Five yeah. interceptions in three games is uh, it's yeah. a decent amount. 
It's, uh, <laughs> it is not. It is not sustainable. It's it's not good, and and no. I recognize that. I think we're in a little bit of a, a variance split right now, where he's probably getting a little unlucky, and he's. I don't think this is probably quite his best he can do. But I'll just say this: when we get to the playoffs and we're playing legitimate playoff contenders and playoff football, and every inch counts, this shit's not going to fly. Did you did you watch? I can't remember. Like you started being a fan right around when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl the first time, right? Like the, the Matt so, Hasselback era, right? Exactly. So one of my first jerseys is a Sean Alexander jersey. Well, it's actually <laughs> my first jersey, but right. um, right around when the Sonics left is kind of like when I started to get into into football. That's what I thought. Because here's the thing: I, I think that one a million percent agree. Like the the team has a ceiling based off of how many mistakes Gino makes. Like that is, that's just a reality. And and there's something there. I will say though, I mean, you remember Matt Hasselback at quarterback. I think we, we, we got used to Russell at quarterback and Russell was this extreme of mm-hmm. rare, like for most of his career did not throw picks. Like he had a very low interception rate. A lot of times he would hold on to the ball and get sacked and do some crazy things to avoid throwing it into harm's way, but he was very con like um, not conflict averse. He was very risk averse. Sure. Right. And, but he also threw touchdowns. So you had like, what's generally a really good thing in a quarterback is if they throw a lot of touchdowns and they don't throw a lot of picks, that's pretty good. That's it's pretty good. good yeah. Right. Like that's what made Russ Russ. Sure. Hasselback got this team to a super bowl. Very different. He threw a decent amount of picks. He threw a decent amount of picks, but like what changed for him over his career is he threw a lot of touchdowns or at least increased his touchdown throws. And so that team was a little bit of a different formula. I think we all have the 2013 version in our heads, right? Where it's like uh, all, all star dominant defense, good running game and a budding young quarterback with potent MVP potential. Right. That was like a running quarterback, you know, didn't throw a lot of picks. I guess what I'm wondering is I wonder if the formula for this team is going to look a little different than that team. Like how likely is it that they come up with the exact same formula two times in a row? It's it's very possible uh, that the formula is totally different. And it's that's funny because like I, I associate P. Carroll with like such strong elite defenses, like in my right. brain for good reason, too. And the the problem I the reason I called out Gino specifically is I don't think either side of the ball is elite. I don't think this offense, we, I, I think we are hoping they would be elite. I don't think they're elite. I think they're very good. And I don't, I don't think, think they're even that. Okay. Sh- the offense. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. Like, I think the offense is like, there are people out there talking about the offense being like, not Seahawks fans necessarily talking about being very good. I see them as like, pretty I think they're mid. capable of being very good. I do. I agree I, with I, that. I think they're underperforming relative to their talent yes. level. Literally. Yeah. So when I think about the reason I called out Gino in your first question was I see such inconsistency on both sides of the ball. And yes, the defense is going on four straight games of not allowing more than 20 points or whatever, 21 points. But it's like, then the offense turns to shit for large stretches at, to- at time and they should be performing at a much higher level than the defense should be. Full stop. Yeah. Charles Cross is back. Abe Lucas is the only person that's gone, but Stone Forsyth seems to be playing that role okay. They've got Jason Peters. 
they're loaded at talent across the offensive line. I don't think Evan Brown has given up a pressure this year is what I saw from pro football focus. So I just don't see, I, I think like elite talent win Super Bowls. And when I look at the Seahawks mm-hmm. roster makeup, not saying they can't go on a hot streak and win a couple playoff games. I think that's like kind of their ceiling and what I'm hoping for. But I'm, I don't think they're good enough, reliable, consistent enough at one position or side of the ball to overcome Geno making, you know, two, three turnover worthy plays in, in a playoff game, in a playoff game. And is that maybe a little unfair for me to be placing that burden on Gino to be that type of guy. I don't know if it's, I don't know. He, he has a, you know, $30 million deal up to 35 million. Like that's not chump change. Like, no, I think, I think like the way it looks like in numbers for Gino, I, I I think he's, he's gotta be, he's gotta be in the 25 to 30 touchdown range, passing touchdown range. Like, I think that's important. I think he's gotta be able to put points on the board that way. Ideally more than that, but 20, like the NFL is kind of going in reverse with offense all of a sudden and quarterbacks like there's, 100%. there's nobody on path to be like a Tom Brady, even Patrick Mahomes from the last few years where he's throwing 50 touchdowns in a season, like yeah, 30 and, to 35 touchdowns is probably going to lead the league. And I, I got to give him credit here. Like that drive that we saw at the end of the Browns game yeah. against the number one rated defense in the NFL gave me actually so much hope. Like maybe, maybe he could be that guy in a, in a do or die scenario in a playoff game. Maybe he could be, you know, that's so fascinating. Cause I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you and a lot of other Seahawks fans, there's a significant chunk of Seahawks fans who place a, an inordinate amount of weight on how a quarterback plays at the end of games, like in the clutch. Yes. Yes. And I think that's part of why people got so excited about Russ too. Not only did Russ have a lot of talent, but he, he had this uh, comeback ability. He had this like yeah. last two minutes of a half. He just, he, he, he shined in those moments. But, and, and I think there's kind of a reason behind it is uh-huh. I feel like I've been uh, socially conditioned by Pete Carroll to an extent because <laughs> how many games legitimately though, yeah, how many yeah. games in the last like five years have the Seahawks blown out an opponent? It's rare. That's it's what rare. I'm saying. And I'm not saying that's a, I mean, it's a good thing to blow out your opponent, obviously, but like they typically play like close games. Yeah. So having I think clutch players at pe- clutch people positions. forget the 2013 squad though, and that that era actually, I mean, they they absolutely led the league in point differential. Like they they were winning. They they did have an, a fair number of blots. We didn't always feel that way because they also had the Rams 13-10 wins. You know, Golden Tate, you know, waving at people, that kind of stuff. But I guess what I, th- I guess part of what I'm th- getting at, Evan, is. I'm wondering if there's going to be a different formula here. I think Gino, Gino's a guy that seems to throw the ball in harm's way. I do think he's going to need to get better about that, or there's just a ceiling. Period. Like that's just real. Yeah. But I wonder if part of the formula is like Marshawn Lynch was a pretty big part of that Super Bowl team, and the run game was a pretty big part of that team. And in fact, that kind of is what came first. Mm-hmm. And right now, it seems like a secondary part of this team. And I think it doesn't get almost any real critique or scrutiny. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, Zach Charbonnet looks fucking good, dude. Like he's averaging like six yards a carry every time he touches the ball. 
I'm like, this is going to be at least something, if not something really good. Totally different than preseason two, by the way. Oh my God. He looked bad in the preseason. We were concerned about him. Oh dude. He looked like he was running in molasses. It was bad. Yeah. But no, like he looks really good. Kenneth Walker's good. And they had 13 carries against the Browns. Both of them averaged like eight yards plus a carry. I think I literally think Charbonnet averaged like 10 yards a carry and he got like four carries or five, like whatever it was. Yeah. So I feel like part of the way you have Gino take less chances is that he has less attempts in the game and that you're getting more situations where it's, you know, second and three or that, you know, you're picking up like a few plays in a row where the run game and the teams are having to adjust to the run. Maybe they have one less player in the secondary to pick off a pass, you know, like I feel like there's maybe something else that, that needs to happen there to help Gino. And it feels like it's really, really all like gone onto his shoulders. I'm not sure that's the path to, to really reaching where they need to go. I don't know. What does that make any sense? No, it, it does. I I think Gino groupies don't want to hear it, but his ceiling is limited. Sorry. Hmm. His ceiling is limited. He's not a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's not, not now. Not definitely not now. He's yeah. a, like if this is a bottom tier de- defense in the NFL, he's not going to drag this team to no. 12, 13 wins. That's no. not who Geno Smith is. And very rare quarterbacks are, right? So that's okay. But I feel like too often we witness Geno get into a headspace where he just feels like he start he start he just starts forcing balls. Yeah. And it's repeated. Yeah. And and it's like yeah. he gets in his zone. And then he kind of steps back and kind of figures it out again, like mentally, psychologically. But it feels it it, it comes in bunches for Gino. It, 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 there was like four or five consecutive plays last Sunday, or maybe within like six or seven plays, yeah. where Gino like was making questionable decision after questionable decision. And it feels like for whatever reason, he starts to force things. Can and- I can I give you the Gino Smith get well plan? Give me the Geno Smith uh, get like well you, plan. You, you are Geno Smith. You're coming into the doctor. I'm writing you a prescription. Okay. Ooh. Dr. Brian. <laughs> what Dr. Brian, what are you gonna prescribe me? Um you're gonna start with you're gonna start with doing things that you did last year. This isn't even new things. This is the first part of the year. One of the things Geno Smith that got me exci- got me excited last year was he would make on time checks to his check down receivers he would swing it out to his running back in the flat he would hot check to like one of his receivers like like for a couple yards and he would he would not stay focused downfield going through like locked on so number one if it's not there check it down take the three to five yards that's one i'm not seeing him do that when he does do it he's doing it late he's doing almost the rustle this was a weakness of Russell. Russell would hold on to the ball. He would check down way too late, and there weren't yards to be had. Two, you're going to throw the ball away when you don't have something. He did this last year pretty well. He would throw it. It was second and 10 instead of first and 14 or 16 or an interception because he just was like, all right, it's not there. I'm going to throw it away. There was this maturity to his game, checking down, throwing it away when it wasn't there. That's two. Three. You're going to stop forcing the ball to DK Metcalf. Oh my God. It's so like, if he's open, if he's the guy and he's there, great. But do not treat him like AJ Brown. Do not treat him like a player that can make contested catches, that's going to physical, like out physical or out jump a guy. That's not what's happening. So treat him like another receiver. If he's open, great. If he's not, you don't force it. 
And number four, you get Shane Waldron to run the ball a little bit more and give you a little bit more balance to the way you're attacking defense. You do those four things. I think even if you just do the first two things, I think you see a measurable difference. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between Gino now and the Gino of the first like half of last year. It definitely feels like he's taking worse sacks this year. Yep. I could be wrong, but that's like the shitty memory test that I feel like is accurate. He's just he's he's forced a lot of passes, like you've said. Like yeah. and, and that's just not not gonna work. Um on the 49ers thing for a second. Mm, yeah. Can we just get this on record of like as much as I I mean I hate you know I hate the fucking four I hate them you and I you and I love giving them shit of course there's not for one second that I think that the Seahawks are better than the 49ers I think that they could beat them I don't think that they're better and this idea that oh they've lost three in a row like I love I oh my god do I love that Evan. but like <laughs> it's so fun have it's you been so reading fun. their post game threads in the oh my subreddit? god. <laughs> The Niners subreddit post game thread. What? Tell me. Tell me. That is X rated, like like self pleasing material. (laughs) Let me tell you. Here I was in bed at night after after the Niners lost last Sunday. Uh It's I'm it's like 30 p.m. and this the phone's like this close to my face and I'm just scrolling through these comments, Brian. And let me tell you, that is self pleasing material. Oh my god! Freakouts are incredible. The the Wilkes freak out. Fire fire Wilkes right. Fire Wilkes. Nick Bosa. Where the hell is yep. he? Brock Turdy. Yep. Like it's it's I'm trying to think <laughs> who else they've been complaining about. Um it's really their defense that they're complaining about. And that's yeah. to be fair, like the right place to be complaining about because well, they're suddenly bad. So that yes, that is like I will t- I will just lap that up whenever we can get it. I mean we might not get much more of it. I, I don't so. know how much more, but let's not be let's not kid ourselves. As soon as Trent Williams comes back, mm-hmm. I think the offense will be just fine. Uh, Debo Samuel's been out. I think that certainly, I, I think they can win without Debo Samuel, but I think Trent Williams, I don't think they can win where He's they the want to go. Most important player on their football team. A hundred percent. Most important player. Most important player. Which, by the way, is He's the he, best left tackle in football. He is. He's one of the best left tackles ever. Yeah. He is also their window. As far as I'm concerned, how old he's, is he? He's like 35, I want to say, maybe older. Let's uh, look at Trent up. Williams just turned 35 six months ago. Well, just six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, I mean, so, there have been so talks about whether he'd retire at some point. So, like, that's already started. Mm-hmm. At most, you got maybe two more seasons out of this guy. We should bribe him to retire as soon as possible. <laughs> I'm Can sure we've we got the money to do that. Like, can we reallocate some of these like donation funds for autism? All right. I think like, people would be into that. <laughs> I think people would be into it's that. A, like, it's a worthy cause. It is. It, it is. I mean, almost as worthy as, as the other stuff that we do. Um, Can I just say uh, one more thing on this? Yeah. Um, everyone was shitting on. Well, I saw a lot of, co- I saw a lot of coping on Seahawks Twitter <laughs> about the Chase Young trade. Okay. I'm giving up a third round pick for Chase Young. Everybody shut the fuck up. I'm giving up a third round pick for that player. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I think Pete Carroll could totally unlock his potential. He was drafted under that previous Washington regime. Like, come on. Lots of toxicity over there. A fresh start would do him well. But you know who else 
was a Washington trade for the San Francisco 49ers that turned out really well. Oh, Trent Williams. Trent Williams. So I'm just saying there's a little trauma with history there. It could turn out well for them again, but we'll see. So you want a little, you want a little, um, you want a little coping right here real quick? Give me some cope. So Trent Williams is also quietly not as good this year. Like define not as good. So, uh, his first three seasons in San Francisco, uh-huh. his grade, like his PFF grade, 91.9, 96.6, 91.7. Elite of elite. Sure. Like elite elite. You want to know what his PFF grade is so far this year? 75? 81. It's not bad. But that's still so good. Like, Dude, where's that relative to Charles Cross? His pass blocking grade is 76. It's been okay. in the high 80s, like okay. almost 90. So so I'm not saying he's bad. He's not bad. He's still the key to their team. But to but the point about him being 35, and I'm telling you, this is Cope. Like, <laughs> I think the end is nearer than the beginning for that guy. Of course and it is. That's their window. I don't think that team functions without Trent Williams. So what did you say his overall grade was? 81. 81. Okay, what, what do you without looking, what do you think Charles Cross's grade is? Oh god. Not good, dude. Like 62. Yeah, it's 58. Yeah. It's not good. He has not he's he's not been great. I I'm, I have such conflicting feelings on him. You came into the season super high on him. I told yeah. you I don't think he had proven himself as a franchise left tackle yet. He had such a good game against the Rams, and that that does back up. PFF does back that up. He did like, play he, very well. He, well he struggled. That game. Yeah, he struggled against Cleveland. Well, okay, Cleveland has an amazing defense and defensive line, but gosh, yeah, he's a frustrating player. I think what's going to suck. What's going to suck? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with Charles Cross. Yeah, tell me, tell me. So he's in year two right now, okay? So he's got he's got the fifth-year option, obviously. So 24, 25. Uh, I think they will decline his fifth-year option, and he will probably still be a very mediocre, but like maybe sometimes above-average left tackle in the NFL, one of the most important positions in the league. And they're going to be forced to pay him, and it's going to be close to $30 million a year. <laughs> I'm glad that's a few years out, dude. Uh, because that position is insanely valued. I don't think I don't think I, I have not decided he's bad for what it's oh, worth. Oh, he's oh a hundred percent. I he just needs to start taking steps and it doesn't feel like he's doing it. I, I mean, I, I'm gonna just give him I'm gonna give him a little while uh until he you sure. gotta know how healthy he is, like it's a tough spot. He he is not profiling out to be one of the best left tackles. That's just most great left tackles don't need to develop into being great. Mm-hmm. They usually come into the league and they are pretty good right from the start. So mm-hmm. I think Seahawks fans probably need to realize he's probably most likely he's never going to be a Pro Bowl left tackle. That's, uh, that's Justin Strickland crosses played a game and a half. That's a lie. He's played four games, three and a half yeah. games. So. He played the half against the Rams, and then he's Cincy, played the last Arizona, three games. Yeah. Um. But, but um. What were we talking about? I don't know. We're oh, talking Niners? about we're, we're coping about uh, basically the fact is the Niners are going to be just fine once they get healthy. 
Yeah. And and but the thing is, the, the Chase Young piece. I'm with you that the price was fine. Totally. But but Evan, you Jeff, like half the people in our chat, like everyone was was in serious cope mode about about the Niners getting young. And a lot of people on Twitter, CCX Twitter was like, oh my God, they like, they clowned us. They, they did better. Uh, a lot of 49ers fans who were very quiet the day before when the Seahawks made the trade for Leonard Williams were like boasting and banging their chest. I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that big of a difference for them. That's very possible. Yeah. I, I mean, this was already, if not the best, one of the best, Pass rushing teams by a lot of metrics. I know exactly what people look at. Pass rush has not been their major problem. Mm-hmm. It's their secondary. It's their secondary, and it's yeah. their run defense. How's that safety playing that everybody talks about? What's his name? It's like oh, Hufanga. Yeah, how's he playing this year for them? Because I haven't. I for, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched a ton of Niner games this year. He's really good. I mean, I'm such a fan of his. Um, I don't know what his grade is. I'll look it up real quick. He is. He's good. He's very good. 73. Um, decent pass rush grade. Good coverage grade. Yeah, he's doing just fine. So let's talk about this for like, oh, my God. I'm looking at the 49ers schedule. They're going to win a lot of games. Uh, yeah, of course they will. They're They're. they're we we are the only thing in their way, They're, us and the Eagles. <clears throat> so let me read off their schedule like super fast, and you tell me how many losses are in here. Okay? okay. Chat, participate. So chat, listen to this. Count how many losses I count or over the schedule and put it in the chat. How many losses? So at Jacksonville, that's after the bye, week 10, versus Tampa Bay at home, at Seattle, at Philly, versus Seattle at home, at Arizona, Versus Baltimore at home, at Washington, and versus Rams at home. I think there could be four losses in there. Ooh, I don't know about that. I think there could be. I'm thinking like two or three. So here's the thing. The Jacksonville game. They're not losing that game. That could be harder than you think. No, it will be. It will be. But they'll win that game. I I think that that's... I think they... Are they going to be the favorites? I think that's like a... 60 40 chance that they win. I don't think it's like an 80 20 chance that they win that game. So a lot of people are saying three at least. I'm curious to know. So my mine was like they drop one to Seattle, they lose against the Eagles, and maybe they lose to Baltimore. The Ravens. The Ravens, yeah. we're gonna find out. We're gonna yeah. find out this Sunday, but like yeah. Ravens are our best team in football by a lot of people's um point of view. They so. have like a lot of really so I was like reading into this game preview and I'm sure we can get into it in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's some like, I think the Ravens match up really well against us, but they match up well against everybody. But particularly, I think like, <sighs> why tell me why are I'll you talking you defense? Number- you talking offense? So uh, this is the number one stat that gave me concern. Okay. This like stood out to me. Lamar Jackson likes to run the football. We all know that. He's explosive on the ground. Seahawks are 32nd in rushing yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Mm. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I don't know if we can contain Lamar on the ground. That's what concerns me. That's like my biggest concern. I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I don't think that they've really 
faced other than Joshua Dobbs. I don't think they've really faced a lot of running quarterbacks so far this year. Um, I also think that they haven't had their full defense in place for, for as long um, as you might think. So I, I actually feel almost the opposite and I, maybe I'll eat these words. I think Lamar Jackson is MVP of the league right now and deserves every bit of praise he's getting. So none of this is meant to be, I fully understand how dynamic he is, how hard he, he's like maybe the most elusive running back in the league and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like that's all real. I also think the Seahawks have are one of the best teams to potentially contain him um, as a runner. I think you've got Devin Witherspoon, you got Jamal Adams, you got Bobby Wagner, you got Jordan Brooks, you've got some excellent tacklers out there. What are you smiling about? I, I just have a future. I just have a future vision. A vision of Bobby Wagner like trying to run horizontally and Lamar just juking the shit out of him. I'm sorry. That's I'm, not what would happen. If it's downfield, no. if it's downfield, sure. But no. like one juke. I don't think Bobby I don't think Bobby's like, issue is getting juked. I think Lamar could just outrun him. That that's I the mean, thing with it. I think it's both, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't Bobby like does not miss tackles. That is not something he does. He's like one of the best tacklers in the league. Even now, but I hear you. I hear you. Like my point is, I, I actually think the Seahawks have the team speed to potentially and the tackling ability to potentially contain Lamar. Um, I also think they have the best secondary that he has faced. Hundred percent. And he's going to have. It. Here's the thing with Lamar that people don't know. You know how how, how many turnover words he throws Gino has, and we've been upset about that. We spent the first part talking about it, right? Yeah. Lamar's got pretty much the same amount, almost the same amount of turnover he throws. He also, he's fumbled the ball nine times this year. Mm. So this guy, when he gets out, fumbles. We could get Kobe Bryant back for just this game so he can do one of his knockout the, the ball while, while Lamar's running. But I think there's a, I think there's a real chance that the Seahawks have a good game plan in place for him and that he ends up forcing the ball or, or fumbling the ball. I I, I don't hate this. I'm actually like, I am oddly looking forward to seeing, to seeing how this defense, the Seahawks defense matches up against that. But I hear you. I hear you. I think, I think there's a reason they're favorites by five and a half. The Ravens actually grade really well defensively as well let me listen they're they're amazing they're amazing and there is one area that i think seattle can exploit here and it's something you mentioned earlier in the show so first of all their pass defense this is let's just go over this with the listeners i think it's important yeah pass defense is excellent okay they're first in the nfl in passer rating allowed as well as yards per attempt allowed okay so first in the nfl secondary wise this is where they struggle as a defense they allow nearly four and a half yards per carry attempt to opposing running backs. So this is probably going to have to be a Kenneth Walker ground pound game. I could see Gino, if they try to test this Ravens, I, here's the thing. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm confident enough in Seattle's like passing attack to overwhelm and just beat one-to-one the Ravens secondary. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident in that. Where you exploit them is in the ground game. 
I'm sorry. I was trying to mute and just coughed. Is everybody just coughing these days? Because I, everybody's I coughing. I think we're I all have know. COVID again. I'm sure we're all just yeah, slowly dying. But I, I you're 100 right. And the other thing, do you know? I mean, they're not. It's not like they're undefeated. They've lost twice. Sure. And do you know one of the teams they lost to in Baltimore? Hmm. Colts. Colts. Hmm. You know who the quarterback was for that game? Was it freaking Gardner Minshew? Oh my gosh. So, and you know how they did that? They did it with like Zach Moss or whatever his name is on the ground. Like the the three games that the Ravens have allowed 120, like over 100 yards rushing. They've either lost those games or they've been very close. Like the Tennessee Titans played them within a touchdown. The Arizona Cardinals last week played them within a touchdown. And both those teams put up rushing yards against the Ravens. So I do think that the run game is going to be big. I I mean, we'll get into it. I don't want to get to Patreon questions here in a second, but this is the best. I think this is the best defense the Seahawks will have played. I, I like the Browns defense. It was a fantastic pass rush that the Browns had. They had some other holes in that defense. Um, people know that the Ravens, ha- the Ravens have the number one, uh, they have the most sacks in the league. So everyone thinks like, oh, this is a kick-ass pass rush team. It's actually not that great of a pass rush team. Their coverage, though, is friggin' unreal. And so they their pass rushers have more time to get home. And that's why the pass rush is good. They're actually, you're, you nailed it. I'm glad you mentioned that. They're only 15th in pressure rating. I shouldn't say only, but. It's mid. It's, it's like, it's not dominant. Um, six, before we get- six in quarterback hits, too. Yes. Before we get to patron questions, let's take Andy Sewell's uh, <laughs> chat here. How much of Gino's regression, if you will, can be attributed to losing Dave Canales and replacing him with Craig Olson? You liked that question. Thank you, Andy, for the patron uh, for the uh, super chat. What made you laugh there, Mr. Evan? Dave Canales is just like a Seahawks legend and totally like love him and miss him every day. Yeah. You've got that much disdain for Dave Canales. You think he's, he's, he, he's nothing? Whatever. Yeah. Do you love him? I don't love him, but I think he's done well with Baker Mayfield, you know? Um, and I think somehow he convinced John Walford to not leave to become a starter in, in LA for the Rams and to stick around in Tampa to be a backup. Um, sure. And I don't know that Greg Olson, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I can't point to anything he's done that's made Gino better. I think it's actually a pretty astute comment. Maybe it's less about Canales. Maybe it's more about Greg Olson. Was Canales there when Gino slumped for eight or nine games last year? He was. Okay, then. I I don't feel. I I think that that's a. I think that that narrative. People act like Gino had an entire amazing year last year. It was a tale of two seasons. Let's be very clear. And they paid him off the first, what, 10 games or whatever it was. That's what they did. And that's yeah. fine. But, like, let's not pretend like Gino finished that season playing he like he was in the first half. He didn't. He didn't. He definitely had a much stronger year. It gets to be a boring conversation. We've had it too many times. So I'm not going to go back and forth with you on it. But I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right, let's take some patron questions. If folks haven't already, give the show a like, click subscribe. There's already been, obviously, some emergency pod material. Uh, you're going to want to be subscribed to the channel when that happens, so you'll get notified when we go live. 
And then head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up right now. Get access to the Slack channel where everyone's talking hundreds of fans, Seahawks fans. It is a good crew. Talks about Seahawks all the time. You'll make good friends in there. And it is not too late to join the Ring of Honor. Um, and you will get to come out for what is going to be a wonderful steak dinner later this month in Seattle. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger. And you also get to ask us questions every week. Um, Evan, are you ready? Mm. Hit me. Jason A asks, if the Seahawks don't trade for Leonard Williams, do you think the 49ers would have still gone to get Chase Young? That's a really good question. Um, I do. I think they're still in a race against the Eagles as, as, as those top premium contenders in the NFC. I know, I know we as the Seahawks currently at the top of the NFC West want to feel that way, but those two teams are still in a completely different league than us. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think they do. Yes. Yeah, me too. I, I think they have to be all in this year, like just in general. And when they lost, if they had, I, I think the better question is if they hadn't lost three in a row, mm. would they have gone out and gotten Chase Young? I don't think they would have. Yeah. Now you've got me really interested to see who is a free agent for them next year. You know, so why do you say they're all in this year? Because they have um, created a ton of cap space this year. Um, that they plan to roll over to help them with with uh, contra- some contracts next year. And I think they're planning to try to use it this year. I think that Trent Williams is also not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Brandon Ayuk and his deal. I, I think that they're they if they don't win this year with all the guys that they have, I don't think there's really a case to be made of how they're going to be better in the future they are at their peak right now and maybe you could say oh brock purdy will get better i i think there's gonna be other guys getting worse or leaving um so i think this is the year for them and and that's the big reason fair did you know george kittle's 30 years old yeah that's old man yeah what the hell yeah he's still good all right league late no i don't think so he entered like Luke Wilson. He and Luke Wilson were the same oh, year. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Next question. Our, our good pal, Michael Mathis, who asks, how much does Leo Leonard Williams, Leo Williams, as I guess that people are calling him, improve our ceiling? Mm-hmm. Brian says we'll likely pay him. That makes sense. But how much do you expect to pay him? And who do we let walk in order to keep him? Why don't you take this one? I'm curious to hear your thoughts, actually. Well, so... The reason I think that they're going to sign him is as a rewind back to last week when I made the case that they should trade for Leonard Williams, <laughs> by the way, um, is that they've been looking for an impact defensive tackle forever, and they have not been able to find him in the draft. They have not been able to find him in free agency. They have not been able to find them in, via trade. And so they just need to be hunting for impact defensive tackles whenever they can find him. And if at the trade deadline if that's a place that they could do it great and it happened to be that the giants have shit the bed this year and we're ready to let go of a very good player that they weren't going to resign at the end of the year so now you get to bring him in i think the seahawks did not bring him in at all for this all in just try to win this year and i think they've already said that i think they brought him in because they see him as 
a key part of their defensive rotation at tackle for the next three years. I think they're absolutely going to try to re-sign him. So as far as what he does for their ceiling, look, we're going to have to see him on the field, but this is a guy that can play every position on that line. He can play end. He can play tackle. If he's just as good as he was in New York, no better, no change. I think he adds at least one win for the Seahawks this year. And I think he adds potentially, you know, championship potential in future years. But I think he adds at least one win and maybe even one playoff win this year. Um, that That's kind of how I think about the change this year. Yeah. So something to keep in mind here, just from a contract perspective, you're probably aware of this, Brian. He's been franchise tagged twice in a row. You can't franchise him. <clears throat> it's ba- Yeah, it's basically impossible. Um, that's enormous leverage over the team. Yeah. And I think combining with the fact that this is the one thing that bothered me about the trade is I thought they should have extended him as part of this trade. It's the same thing we talked about with Jamal Adams from a process. I'm not, I'm not saying don't trade for Leonard Williams. I'm not saying that I'm saying if you're going to trade a second and a fifth, yeah, I feel it's pricey, but it's not do or die. You need to make an extension be included as a part of the terms of that trade. Because it, it really feels like he has enormous leverage over this team now. If he plays well, he's going straight to free agency. And uh, it's just going to cost a lot. That's the thing, though. I mean, we can talk about how much it's going to cost. Um, it, good players cost money. They do. And have the Seahawks shown that they're not willing to pay? I don't think that's true. People talk about Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, they let him walk. Sheldon was not that good. I know that this is a hot topic with the analytics folks. Sheldon has never been that good. I just, he was an okay player. Leonard Williams is not Sheldon Richardson. And so if he's, if he's legitimately pro bullish at defensive tackle, you don't think they're going to roll up the truck to, to sign him? Like they absolutely will. They just paid 17 million to Dre Jones. Okay. They've paid Jamal Adams top of the market. That's not like they won't pay good players. So the only thing that would happen is if uh, he's not good. All right. Otherwise, I think he sticks around. Get ready to say goodbye to Quandre Dix next year, everybody. Just letting you know. Yeah. Will 32 Disney, years old, $22 million cap hit next year. Just saying. I mean, they can Just restructure saying. too, right? They, I mean... He has one more year on his deal, 2024, that they could shift money into, but that would make it. No, wait, no, that's 2024 is the last year of his deal. No, they can't. It would be a cut. Or can we an pay extension. You less? Or an extent? Is he worthy of an extension? We'll find out. He's been to three Pro Bowls, whether we we think that's legitimate or not. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the reality is though, is like this team doesn't have like a crazy amount of cap space next year. No. They've got some guys they're having to pay. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Um, all right, another one from Michael that I, I just want to give to you. Can we talk about the Pete Carroll article from the Athletic? Oh my gosh, uh, Michael Sean Duger. Is that how you say his last name, Duger? I think something like that. Okay, I'm glad I didn't mess it up because I love him. Uh, there was one quote that was so funny to me, and I'm literally pulling it up on my timeline. Because it was so funny. Um, 
It's the Justin Britt one. Can I read this out loud? Yeah, sure. So everybody go subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, this is on Michael Sean Duger's uh, timeline. Amazing Seahawks beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, Justin Britt is quoted as saying, and I quote, he would do what he called, Pete Carroll, the safe place. Everyone had a bullshit story about them, and if none of it was true, but if you didn't know, it seemed believable. Yuchenna Nuoso said, he tells us all these stories other guys went through, selling the hell out of that story, making it sound really good and believable. And then Britt says, he had people believe that my mom had this anger towards me and resented me because of how large my head was at birth. I had to play along with that for like four years. Do you know how much credibility Pete Carroll earned with me knowing <laughs> that he bullied the shit out of Justin Britt? <laughs> like that to me earned major points. And then the one about, hopefully I'm not like giving away this entire article, but like KJ Wright and Malcolm Smith talking about how like Pete told our video crew, Hey, if anyone trips at practice during a drill or a route, if they fall down, you've got to edit it and slice it with sniper footage. So Kerr said everyone, everybody would be talking and then the lights would just go down low. It would cut down to dramatic music and a sniper scene would show up in a movie like American sniper. It would, it would be like, I have an eye on him. I, an eye on him. I'm locked on the target. It's like a minute-long buildup, and everyone is like, oh, no, who's going to get got? And then the sniper would shoot, and the guy would fall at practice, and blood would splash out. <laughs> that is the funniest <laughs> shit of all time. That is one of my favorite Seahawks articles of all time. Well, I mean, we wonder why people want to come back. You know, we've seen it happen time and again. Uh, people talk about how the culture here is different than other places. And I don't I don't think that's just PR. I think that's real. I think it is. I think it's unique. And I think it's something that we we get with Pete Carroll that we don't realize um, until it's gone. So um, it, it was a troll. It is pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, all right. Let's take a few more questions. we got a question from Henry Martinez. What is oh, well, we just kind of asked that. Um well, he asked it a little differently. What's the ceiling for the Seahawks team now with Leonard Williams? If our O-line gets healthy, are we good enough to be the best teams in the NFC? That's such a big if because I don't think – I think you're right, Brian. I have to give you kudos on this. Brian, you were saying – I don't know if you were saying it publicly. You are saying it privately. I can verify this as an outside person. Brian was saying like three or four weeks ago, maybe longer, Abe Lucas ain't coming back this year. Most likely. I'm worried. Not a guarantee, but you were suspicious. And uh, week after week, here we are. What are we in week eight? Something week, like that. Yeah, week nine. Week nine. No way, Lucas. Results seem fuzzy. Doesn't seem like momentum's going his way to get healthier and, and return to practice. So, um, if if play play along for a second though, if he if he does come back and the O line's healthy. And yeah, Leonard Williams in the mix. Sure, sure, do sure. you think the Seahawks? How far do you think the Seahawks can get? Can they can they beat an Eagles team in the playoff? Can they beat a 49ers team in the playoffs? <sighs> Gun to my head. I don't think they can. Put it put it at a percentage. If like if like before like before they added Leonard Williams and like with the O line they've been running out. I would say like 10%, 5% chance that they win that type of game, right? Yeah. I think there's a chance, but not like, I mean, last year was a worse team and they were ahead of the 49ers <laughs> at halftime. 
So like I'd maybe go a little higher, like maybe like 20%, 20%, right? Maybe. So then you add back, if, if, if you really do have your offensive line and Leonard Williams lives up to what we hope he lives up to, I think it gets up to like 40%. Like, Ooh, do you think I, he's a 20%? Oh, or you're saying O-line and it. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. I think I get into the, to the 30 to 40% range. I don't think, I don't think Abe Lucas and Leonard Williams maybe I'm unreasonably optimistic about how like stone Forsyth and uh, <laughs> what's his name. Jason Peters can hold down the right tackle spot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, removing Jake Curran from the equation oh. inspires my confidence like a lot. Um, and here's the thing. It's like, I just, if, if Abe Lucas is coming back, is he a hundred percent? Let's assume. Otherwise they wouldn't bring I don't him think, back. I don't think it's a 20% jump. I think yeah. it's like, it goes up to 30%. Okay. Yeah, we're we're not totally far off. Here here here's the here's here's the situation. Um I'm trying to think like of how the playoffs work. Is there is there a situation where the Niners and Eagles would play each other like in the divisional round and then mm-hmm. Seattle would play mm-hmm. um yeah. God knows who, you know. Yeah. And then they advance to the NFC Championship game? Yeah, that's possible. But if they face the Eagles or the Niners in the divisional round, I, we're gonna get a close-up look. We get two two against the 49ers, one against the Eagles. I think we'll know. We got a game against the Cowboys. The Cowboys could knock out some other, you know, one of these teams. So we'll I see. want to believe it's just like I'm not there yet. Yeah, I don't think they are there yet. I don't think anyone could really say that they're there yet. This weekend against the Ravens is one of the first real opportunities to see, okay, can they? Um, it's gonna be fun to see that game. Hundred percent. Um. All right. A couple more here. Kalen asks, uh, with just this is a little bit like we just talked about, but I want to go. You go a little deeper, Evan. Um, with just seventeen million in cap space for twenty twenty four, and only forty one players signed, how would we manage to extend Leonard Williams? Should we let Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner walk? If we could trade or release someone without having to have a lot of dead cap money, who would it be? So yeah. <laughs> so uh, by the way, that twenty twenty four cap number is not with. Jordan Brooks on the roster. Right. So it's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> um, well, let's start there. Let's start there. Would you sign Jordan Brooks younger, way less important position, or Leonard Williams if you could only have one? Assume Leonard Williams is good. I think I lean Jordan Brooks. Easy choice for me, Leonard Williams. I think, really? Easy choice. Just because of positional value. Positional value is yeah. night and day. Like same same price. It's not going to be, but like same price. Similar price. Yeah. Like you basically get one, you don't get the other. I don't know. Jordan Brooks has played really well this year. He it's has. Flash, that is not a slight on Jordan Brooks. No, hundred percent. But he's like, I feel like he's starting to make more flash plays. Like, I don't know. He is. That does something to the average viewer, at least in my mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> So 17 million in cap space, like you said, that's with like what 43 people or something. They said 41 players under contract. Yeah. So that's another 14 players that they have to fit under the cap at like five, six hundred K a year. So it's like think of it, that's like seven, eight mil gone right off the top. So if 17 mil goes down to 10 mil, then think about it. IR and practice squad and random miscellaneous bullshit, another three to four, maybe five million. So now you're talking the Seahawks have like five point seven million dollars in cap space. Not good. Not good. To fill out the roster, practice squad, IR, draft picks, that type of stuff. That's the one I forgot. Okay. So they have like 5.7. Here's the easy cap moves that they could make in 2020. 
for. Quandre Dig Diggs, you save a minimum of eleven mil uh, cutting him, and no, actually, you save only eleven mil because I, I, I realized there was not an additional year on his deal. Um, uh, Will Disley's gone. Uh, you save seven million. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, we got to have a Geno Smith conversation at some point. Well, not now. Five point nine million for Brian Monet. That's an easy one. Oh, 100 percent, Brian. Yeah, you're further down the roster than I am right but these now. Are, that's a big number. Um, Julian Love. Nick Ballore is two point nine million gone. Julian Love five point seven. Are you keeping Julian Love's a question mark? Depends on what you do with Quandre Diggs. Yeah, that's fair. Right. That's fair. Um. And I think I think the one that you don't want to talk about that needs to be potentially discussed is hundred percent cut is Jaron Reed. Absolutely. No way. He's gone. He's gone. Jaron Reed's gone. Quinn Jefferson's Uh, not a a free agent, so you're not going to get him anyway. (laughs) No, that's a fair one. But no, Tyler Lockett, you haven't mentioned. Didn't they just do a restructure on him, though? I feel like they did. They did do a restructure in 2023. So it makes it harder to cut. Get this. Get this. Tyler Lockett's cap hit in 2024 is 27 million. You only get this. Get this. You only save seven million cutting him. Well, seven million's not nothing. But um, like, like 19 of that is you're fucked. Yeah. So I think there's some guys to there are some guys, but that's like not a ton of. I don't know. That's not like splash money. But again, Evan, I mean, you can fit you can fit guys in with big deals that uh, are getting void years. You can do all sorts of stuff to spread out, sure, spread sure. out stuff. So, but like, should we go? Should we go over all the just the high level free agents for twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four? Yeah, take too long. Okay. We got other we got other questions we got to get to. But like, um. I think part of it is like 2024 might be its own issue. You just have to get through 2025. Like, I think a lot of guys come off the list. You got. Okay. I have two quick questions, two fast yeah. questions. Are you giving Daryl Taylor like a prove it deal? Oh, Daryl, he's a five. He'll be a fifth oh, year. He, oh, you're right. You're he's right. a restricted free agent. So you don't have to, you know, I totally you forgot. To. I thought he was yep. unrestricted. Yeah. Um, Okay, that concludes my questions. <laughs> All right. I want to get to... Damian Lewis, extend or say goodbye? I think you have to bring him back. I think you, you, you get the cheapest between him and Phil Haynes. Oh, my God. Honestly, what do you, what's the problem? There's not that much of a difference between those two guys. That's fair. I'm not gonna there, there is it. I'm, I'm not, not going to argue against that. But uh, I mean, Anthony Bradford's one guard, and then you got to figure out one other. And I think you just, uh, Phil Haynes was pretty cheap this year. If if he's cheaper, I I don't know that I'm going long term with Damian Lewis. I don't think I am. Your left butt cheek has Phil Haynes stamped on it. <laughs> I'm the only one that's ever been absolutely on target with Phil Haynes. It's so... okay. I've, I've never been irrationally in love with a player ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Um, uh, all right. Last question we're going to have to take before we start, uh, previewing the game, uh, more seriously. Why do people, this comes from Zach. Why do people talk about drafting a quarterback being the answer to Gino's mediocrity? 
given that 10% of first round quarterbacks actually become top 12 in the league and only after years of development, those are slim odds at best. What is the real option if we let him walk? Gino walk? Yeah. You'd probably, th- there's no way you ride your hopes on like a rookie quarterback next year. I think you'd have to bring an outside. You'd probably extend Drew, Drew Locke and run with Drew Locke. He's on a two-year deal. He, you got him for next year too, I think. Is he? I thought so. Really? If that's the case. No. One year, four million. One year? Yeah. Okay, good. You'd have to bring in a vet outside veteran, I think. Yeah, they'd probably think about it like the Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson situation, although they put a lot of money into Flynn. So, I mean, if they wanted to get out of the deal with Geno next, like after next year, is there like, if they wanted him next year, but not the year after, is there some kind of next year? But oh, yeah, yeah, no, they'd be totally fine. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he has a big option bonus in 2024. So, if on the fourth, year let me see 20 okay so oh i i there was a big roster bonus so on the on the fifth day of the 2024 league year he gets a so that's like march 11th i think uh he will earn a 9.6 million dollar roster bonus so they could cut him before that Mm -hmm. and actually save more than 14 million actually Oh yeah. No, the, the next year there's like a very clear out. Like, well, this is a one year kind of prove it deal in some ways. Totally. Um, but I think that's the question is, okay, so you can get the money, but are you, wh- show me the path to where you improve your quarterback play while doing that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to improve the quarterback play, you'd have, I think you'd have to look outside at, at free agency. Kirk cousins is kind of the obvious one, but he just got injured. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you reliably can. And I don't know that you can, you can't, you can't outbid somebody in the free agent market for a quarterback that's better than Geno Smith. Geno Smith just signed probably the most team friendly, decent quarterback deal. 100%. Like in 10 years, 20 years. Like, so. Now I will say, I'm going to be championing, championing this long and hard. Seahawks better draft a fucking quarterback next year. Yeah, 100%. People get this twisted. They think I'm like, uh, like died in the world, Gino. Like I, I'm 100% cheering for Gino, and I want him to prove everybody wrong. All that stuff. I thought they should have drafted a quarterback this year. I wanted Dorian Thompson Robinson. I was pounding the table hard for. Him. I shouldn't want them to draft a quarterback at five. Yeah. But like, they absolutely. And next year is the perfect year to add in. Like the roster is now. Like they wouldn't have Devin Witherspoon if they drafted a quarterback. That's the whole point. They need. They would maybe not have JSN or. Like they now have a good roster and you Drop know what a rookie quarterback in there. Great. There are good quarterbacks that fall to the back half of the first round yeah. all the time. You do not yeah. need to be a top 10 pick top five pick. You don't have, to. they need to draft a quarterback every year until they find one. Like hundred percent. I don't know. I don't understand why teams don't do that. I don't either. It feels like such a basic, like just do it like at least every other year. But like, like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't understand. So can um, I ask one, can I ask one question. Yeah, absolutely. Would you take Brock Purdy over Geno Smith? I take Brock Purdy over Geno Smith. No, I mean, like a contract and all. No, mm, no, just play this year. No, 
I, I would have, I would have potentially before the year started. I've seen enough now from Brock Purdy about what his limits are that I hadn't yet seen. With just three bad games, it's not that. It is there is a there is a like there's a shape to his game. His passes are almost always his like intermediate over the middle. Like he does not throw outside the hashes. And so I think part of what's going on is teams have started to figure out where he wants to put the ball and are making it a little bit harder and anticipating some of those things. And so I don't know. And I also, he has not shown that he can be a guy that can win it at the end, which is a pretty big deal. That's fair. Um, so I, I think if, if you put Brock Purdy on the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks would be two or three losses worse than they are with Gino. Ooh, I love this question. What are the Niners with Gino Smith? Man, with the throws that 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 Shanahan asks him to make, I think I think they're at least one win better. I mean, they're already really good, so it's not like you can be a twenty win team when there's seventeen games in a season. But I think they're seven and one. Oh, like this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think one to two wins more than they have right now. I think is probably right. Agreed. Yeah. Gardner uh, Minshew is a free agent next year. Yeah, Minshew. <laughs> I've I wanted Minshew this year anyway. I, I I don't think he is. I don't think he's better than Geno, but I think he is a totally passable veteran starter, and you could bring a rookie along with him. I love that Blaine Gabbard's still in the NFL, by the way. Oh my he's god, a free agent next year. Oh my god, his career yeah. earnings must be decent. Yeah. Um. All right. Thank you to the folks uh, on the patron questions, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Always appreciate the questions. We don't always get to all of them, but we do our best and appreciate you submitting them, patreon.com slash hawkblogger, and give the show a like if you haven't. All right, Evan, let's talk about this game, man. Um, how, do you, how do you think Leonard Williams changes this game? Like... As a Seahawks fan, do you have a feeling of like how he changes the way the Seahawks, their chances in this game and the way that they'll be able to play defense? Do you really expect him to have like a crazy impact on week one with us? I don't know about crazy because this is a really good offensive line that they're going up against. Like maybe if not the best, they're top five. Mm -hmm. But... I do think that he makes their, he gives them much better chance than they would have without him. I just don't feel like he's the key to this game. So you don't see much of a change. I don't see a much of a change. And, and yeah. I, that's why I feel kind of dumbfounded. It's like, who, who do you think, like, who do you think is the key to this game or what part of the Seahawks needs to play really well for them to have a chance to win this game? Kenneth Walker running. I am sick and tired of, Losing the time of possession battle, by the way. I hate it. I hate it. Did you see the Browns, Seahawks, time of possession, lopsided? It was mm-hmm. crazy. I, I, this is just like a gut feeling, but it just, I like owning control control of possession. I like resting our defense. Like That, to me, is a key. We need to do that. And I just... I, I'm not... I don't think this offense could... 
God, this sucks to say. I don't think this offense could like put up forty in a in a in a in a in a lighter against the Ravens. I don't think they could. They need to slow this game down and ground pound it. I don't know that many teams could put up forty against the Ravens defense. But going into the season, you would have said we better expect that the Seahawks be able to. Yeah, th- that is that is absolutely the the bit that's flipped, right? It was the offense. The talent's still there. Yeah, the talent. We cannot say we cannot say that this offense has suddenly lost all. No. I'm not saying you are, by the way, but no. like fans in general, we cannot say because Abe Lucas is gone that this offense is fucked. I'm sorry, unacceptable. Let's let's do a quick quick check on this. Who on the Seahawks ha- at the players has underperformed the most this year? Because I can think of a bunch of plot guys that have overperformed, but I can tell you one guy that comes to mind for me. Um, on which side of the ball? Let's start with offense. You can say any any side. I don't think there's many to pick from on defense, by the way. Yeah, underperformed. Um, is it crazy to say? I almost wanted to say Kenneth Walker, but I don't feel like he's got a ton of opportunity. No, I think he's actually done. He's reasonably a, well i think he's, he's right like about matched, what what you probably expect actually I'll, I'll start off with the obvious i think geno smith has underperformed i think that's probably fair i think he started off um performing to expectations and and to the point where i thought i mean the lions game was excellent like he he was he won player of the week or whatever that week and was mm-hmm. was excellent it's actually one of the best quarterback games of the year by most metrics Oh, there's an easy answer to this. I totally. I'm going to get flamed for this. I'm going to get flamed for this. DK Metcalf. That's it. I I mean, I I would say DK and then a little bit Tyler. Yeah. Not like, not like as egregiously, but I think both of them, like this was like the dynamic duo receivers. And I don't feel like they've been dominant like to where teams are trying to figure out how to stop these two i'd say jsn has also been below expectations like all three receivers Mm -hmm. i don't think have lived up to expectations this year i would agree yeah i'd say all three tight ends have been exceeded expectations well i think they've all i think this played really well for what he's supposed to be like blocking tight end yeah he's he's a he's an excellent blocker um and helps the, the team i think Charbonnet, Walker have all played well. I think the offensive line generally is overperformed. Yeah. Um, I How's think the receivers. Yeah. How, how about Boye Mafe? <laughs> Are you seriously saying he underperformed? No. I just wanted to know how you think he's performed this year, like relative. Oh my God. He made, he's made, I think Jeff and I especially look foolish. Like, 100%. uh, you know, I, I thought everyone's like the most improved player this year. And I'm like, okay, this is just camp hype. From what I see, this guy is a rotational pass rusher, good player, not great player. He's doing things, Evan. I don't know if you saw, I, I looked this up. He's like the first, I can't remember. He's one of the first players in this to have five sacks in, in five straight games or a sack in five straight games in his first two years as a pro. Since like, uh, I mean, it, it's been a while and it's been like, oh, it's been Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is the last guy. And the guys that have done it are like Javon Curse and Vaughn Miller 
And like, it's like a, this list of some of the best pass rushers that have ever played. And he's a good run defender. He's one of the best run defending edges. So like all of a sudden, here's the thing. He is now the equivalent of, uh, who's a good comparison. I've been looking this up. Um, He's like a second tier pass rusher. He's he's a very he's like borderline pro bowler. And then if you look at Leonard Williams, Leonard Williams is essentially Eric Armstead, Grady Jarrett, that kind of defensive tackle. People know those guys a little bit more. Um, he's pretty much similar to Javon Hargrave, by the way, as well. Pretty darn similar. So like, I think now they've got an interior pass rusher and they've got this ex, ex edge pass rusher. Could be really interesting. I do think Leonard Williams is gonna have a bigger, bigger role to play um, in this game. How, how about, how about Tariq Woolen? Woolen's underperformed. Hundred percent. Absolutely. I'm, I've, I've kind of been waiting to see like when people are gonna mention his name. I know he just came off an interception at a. Jeff gave read me the riot act that I I brought up a couple weeks ago uh, that I was being really stupid, um, saying that he was the third of the three cornerbacks and. And maybe he's just looking well, like an above average cornerback instead of an elite cornerback. Let's be clear. It's not that he's bad. No. We, nobody thinks he's bad. No. It's just we were like our expectations were like this guy's like top five in the NFL. Like not bad. I think it says more about the guys they added in some ways though, right? We were like, Woolen is the standard for this team at corner. And then Trey Brown and and Weatherspoon are now like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Trey Brown has a he's had a crazy year. He's been really good. I'm glad his injury thing didn't isn't an issue. So So how many points did the Seahawks have to score to win this game? That's a tough question. Um does twenty seven do it? I think so, probably. I have a hard mm-hmm. time seeing the Ravens putting up 27 plus on this defense. I think. Interesting, right? Like, um, look, the Seahawks defense from last year against the Browns last week, we lose that game by two or three touchdowns. Oh, we get blown out. We get blown out. We go into Baltimore with this team. It's no, like we are just like, you and I are making jokes at this point because they're like, well, we're just going to see how much they score. Like, it, it's going to be a joke. There's no way they're going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, yeah. you know, Mark Andrews, all that stuff. There's a legitimate reason to be, like, curious about how this defense is going to perform. I, th- I think the Seahawks defense is creeping up there. I think they already have proven that they are, by almost any metric, they are a top 10 defense already. Now it's a question of can they get into the elite and these are the types of games that help figure that out. Um, for what it's worth, the the Ravens have scored over 27 points three times. Three times this year. Um, they are undefeated in those games. That means that they are only four and two when they score 27 points or less. Um. Yeah, do you I think, think twenty five is kind of the number for me. Mm. I think twenty five is the number. I think they they got to they got to get over twenty five points. I think is the number in this game. 
And the, the I think do you think it's a bigger question about whether the Seahawks can hold the Ravens under that or that the Seahawks can score more than that? That the Seahawks can score more than that. Yeah. I have so many. Yeah, this offense, they've kind of lost my confidence with the exception of like, let me put it this way. If they had not finished that fourth quarter drive, Gino had not finished that fourth quarter drive, I'd be, I'd be really nervous right now. Yeah. Like totally. We're having a totally different conversation about the Seahawks. If they're four and three and they just lost to the Browns at home. This is the first team the Seahawks have played that. It feels very the 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 margin on offense feels very thin. I, like the Browns one, I, I definitely felt like it was iffy, mm-hmm. but this one it feels like if they don't have a run game in this one, this could get real bad. Like could. they there's not going to be a lot of easy throws. Uh, the tackling's really good. They're fast, so I think the Seahawks have to run the ball in this game. I think you hit it right on the head. That's absolutely critical. And they better freaking start playing Zach Charbonnet some more. I think he's an important part of this game. I think it's how many points they score is the bigger deal. The other thing I will say, Evan, is turnovers. I think the defense, the defense almost certainly has to get one, if not two turnovers in this game. And I think it's possible. But I think those are the two things that stand out to me. So let's not, let's not forget what the Ravens did to the Lions. Two oh weeks my God. Ago, by the way. So that was a whooping man. Just saying. Yeah. Any given Sunday, but well, I know, but you, I mean, you, you see that and I'll then raise you losing to the Colts at home and Gardner Minshew sure, 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 and sure. barely beating the Cardinals and Joshua Dobbs and barely beating the Tennessee Titans. So like sure. they barely beat the Steelers. Um, they but, barely beat the Bengals when Joe Burrow couldn't move. Um, so here's the I don't problem know that they've had as many impressive wins as people make it out to be, but here's the problem. I can't say this. I can't say that same thing about the Seahawks. I can't say they, they let it get out of hand or they forced it to get out of hand to any team that they've played. Right. They just don't do that. Well, I mean the giants 24 to three. Eh, that's a good point. Yeah. 24 points. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it should be a lot more. <laughs> it should have. It should have sure. been more. It should have been a lot more. Um, all right. So let's get to predictions in this one, Evan. Uh, who is going to win this game and what is the final score? Why don't you start us off? Oh man. I literally haven't I haven't decided. So so just so you know, the Ravens, let's let's actually check the latest. Last time I heard the Ravens were um five and a half point favorites. And uh, they're now six point favorites consensus, six point favorites. And let's check the over under over under is still 42 and a half. Well, saying consensus is five and a half anyway. So let's say it's five and a half Ravens favorite 44. Uh, oh, it's 44 and a half now. So that would imply a what? 26, 21 game, 25, 25-20 game, 25-20. 25-20 Ravens is the implied expected score of this game. Mm-hmm. I think that's about right as like an expectation going in. The Ravens should win this game. Um, I can't pick against the Seahawks right now. I just like the vibe. And I, I get to because like this is, a, this is a Seahawks show. 
I'm picking the Seahawks to win this game. I think that there's going to be, I think there's going to be a, a fumble. I think there's going to be an interception. I think there's going to be a couple turnovers by the defense. I think the offense is going to surprise the same way that they surprised with 17 points in the first quarter against the best defense in the league mm-hmm. last week. And I think the Seahawks are going to come away with a 24 21 victory over the Ravens. I love that. I hope that happens. I um, am not going to predict that. I'm going to predict uh, a very sure Ravens victory. And I think Geno Smith is going to make multiple high cost turnover worthy plays. I think he's going to throw three interceptions. I think the Ravens are going to score 31 points and the Seahawks will score 17. I do not like the vibes on this one. What what would you be saying if Geno throws three interceptions in this game? I know who Geno Smith is. Hmm. He's good when the things around him go well. And he's bad when the things around him go bad. I don't take pleasure in reporting this, but <laughs> like people people act like Geno is some top five quarterback stud that's going to carry us against crazy good defenses. I don't know. I don't know who these people are. I've seen a few people. It's a cult following. This is a real thing. These people exist. I've seen so many more people that are just like, Gino's not it. We need to bench Gino. I've seen so many more. They're stupid. Like it, like (laughs) Drew is not good. Okay. Obviously. But like Gino Smith is also not like some top five God. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Andrews is probably going to have a big day against us. I, I know we haven't struggled against tight ends this year, but like historically I have trauma and I just have my brain just goes there. So. I, I think that I think everything you said about this game, other than I don't know about the Geno picks, but I think even even like Geno throwing at least a couple picks, I think all that is super reasonable. And if I'm looking at this just totally blind and objectively, I think that's a very reasonable prediction. I also have just watched enough of these teams and I'm, I'm dug in here. I am like oddly optimistic about this game and I can't, and the, the weirdest part is usually when I feel that way, I can point to there's this specific advantage, this matchup that I think people aren't realizing that's going to be better. In this case, the only one that I can say is I think the Seahawks defense is better equipped to slow down Lamar Jackson than people are giving it credit for. So that's the one thing that I think I see differently than others. And I think they don't, they have no tape on how the Seahawks are going to use Leonard Williams. So they don't know where he's going to line up. They don't know how he's going to be played. They don't know how to prepare for him. So they have a little bit of an advantage just for this week in that regard. But if I'm being real honest, it's just a gut. It's mm-hmm. just a gut feel that 10 a.m. game in Baltimore. I don't know. I, I think it's going to go well for the Seahawks. I hope I'm right. But uh, I've definitely picked the Seahawks to lose and hoped I've been wrong. But this time I feel I feel like something good's coming. My number one hope for this game is that there's a lot of field goals because oh god I have I have content for field goals. Oh god. So. Oh god. All right. Well, Justin Tucker certainly is not the guy I want to be on the line for a game winner and neither is Jason Myers to be honest. Like and then for the opposite reasons cuz Jason Myers has bounced back. Do you want to admit that? What does he bounce back from? He has one field goal like, over 50 yards. He had he had like one bad game. He had two bad games. 
because he missed like a 54-yard field goal. He missed three field goals. Yeah, that was one game. So he had one bad game. (laughs) I'm not going to take this any farther with you. He he is the worst free agent signing on this team. He's missed four field goals. He missed those over the course of two games, I'm pretty sure. So I think Jason Myers and Nick Ballore, if they weren't on this team, just imagine imagine the additional talent that we'd actually have on this team. So I hope he, I hope he keeps making field goals though. Cause we've already paid him. So are you rooting for him? You know what? I have absolutely rooting for him to make it. I, every time he gets out there, every single time, even when the Seahawks scored the game winning touchdown at the end of the game, I was like, he's going to brick this extra point And we're going to be up by three instead of four. Like a hundred percent was like, there's no way he is going to do the Jason. Meyer. I have zero confidence in that guy. And I know, I know, I know that you just put it up because you're fucking trolling all of us. But that guy, ugh. he didn't miss a field goal for like a year, Ryan or Brian, Ryan. Why did I call you Ryan? He hasn't missed a field goal for a year, Brian. Yeah, I. I Whatever we could do. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Never will be. Um, all right, folks. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Evan Hill for coming on at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. I'm Brian Nemhaus. You can find me at Hawk Blogger. Have a wonderful evening, all. Patreon.com slash Hawk Sign up. We will see you there. Until then, go Hawks. Hey, folks. This is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.